0: You're in the Waterloo. Welcome to Waterloo, the podcast exploring solutions for sustainability and equity in water. I'm the host, Travis Loop. This is episode number 193, NFL Becomes More Blue. The NFL has long had an environment program to mitigate the impact of its major events and leave a green legacy in host cities. But over the last few years, water stewardship has become a more prominent part of the portfolio, particularly in conjunction with the Super Bowl, as discussed in this episode with Jack Groh, director of the NFL Environment Program. He explains how the NFL works with Force Blue, an organization of military special operations vet to conduct water projects, including restoring coral reef in Florida, helping the kelp forest in California, and removing invasive snails in an Arizona river. Jack also talks about engaging the NFL fans to raise awareness of current water issues and increase stewardship. Before starting the episode, I want to quickly mention that Waterloop is a nonprofit media outlet that depends on its supporters. This episode was made possible by Open Water. Open Water is ultra-purified, electrolyte-packed, canned water in BPA-free aluminum packaging. Recyclable? Check. Climate neutral? You bet. And they even encourage you to fill up at the tap whenever possible. One of my favorite things about Open Water is it is made in the U.S. and shipped from dozens of warehouses to minimize transportation emissions. Check them out at drinkopenwater.com and pick up a can at a store near you you're in the water loop i'm happy to be here talking to you at the green sports alliance summit in seattle uh i am a just have to say i'm a huge sports fan i'm a big nfl fan okay. i have to go on the record washington commanders fan uh we won't hold that against no uh, no you yeah. can't you can't i'm loyal uh and i'm an environmental programs fan really fascinated by the environmental programs of the nfl what what does that mean what's covered by that what's encompassed by it we, you know we've got three big areas that we try and cover. The first is operational.
1: How do we lighten the footprint? And and there's a number of projects under that piece of it. The second piece is how do we create a legacy in the community, some type of a green legacy uh, where we make changes in the community. We, we develop projects, we work side by side with folks so that when we leave, there's something permanent, there's a permanent benefit left. And the third piece of it is how do we engage, how do we engage others in this and, and, Principally, what we look at is we want to engage our sponsors, but not in green marketing. We want to engage our sponsors in hands-on type of projects where they or their staff, their employees, they can engage in projects in the community. And we also want to engage our fans. But again, we don't want to engage our fans through messaging and, and, and uh, uh, you know public service announcements and, and signs. We want to engage our fans in some way that enhances their experience at the game. Nobody goes to a football game to get educated. <laughs> People go to a football game to get entertained, to have fun, to forget about all the to forget about climate change, to forget about all the the problems that we're facing. But so how do we how do we take sustainability and use it in a way and engage with fans that makes them tell a story when they go home and say, hey, guess what happened to me at Super Bowl? So
0: that's that's our objective there. So we got those three big ones that we look at. When we talk about sustainability and the environment, there's so many different aspects and pillars of that. Right. I'm very focused on the water side. Could you just talk generally about how water fits into this environmental program? Well, we we weren't doing much around water
1: for, for, for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, and, and I guess the main reason would be we just didn't know what we could do to address that but now in the last couple of years last four or five years we've partnered with an outfit called Force Blue these these are all special ops military vets you know combat divers you know we're, we're talking about uh, uh, navy seals and um, army rangers and air force pararescue folks with really highly developed uh, underwater skills you know as well as uh, other skills uh, force blue is taking these folks kind of out of retirement, Hmm. retraining them and redeploying them around marine conservation. So we hooked up with them. I think it's been almost five years now since we hooked up. And um, we wanted to do something in Miami for Super Bowl that would really make a difference. So we worked with them. We worked with marine scientists. We worked with uh, uh, local environmental agencies and others. And we put together this coalition to restore a section of coral reef along the uh, Florida coast. That's our only barrier reef. That, that coral reef uh, along the only barrier reef in the United States and up to 90% of that now is either dead or dying because of disease and because of climate change. So what the scientists have done is they've developed a program where they create new genotypes of coral. Yeah. I, I think right now there are like 80 brand new genotypes. And it's just when people say, what's a genus, Well, it's when you Breed these corals. You breed them for certain qualities. So you find those corals that are already resistant. You breed them with other corals that are resistant, and boom, you've got a basic new genotype of coral that can resist climate change and resist ocean acidification. So we
0: replanted. You're sa- you're sounding like a marine biologist right now. Bob. Sorry, I have no, 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 don't be sorry. I'm just saying. Okay, this guy's got some technical yeah. knowledge, some science uh, knowledge. You here. can't hang out with marine scientists <laughs> under
1: on a boat for for hours and hours and hours without picking up something by osmosis. Yeah. But, but we uh, uh, we restored a small area as an experiment. It went very well. We went back the next year when we had Super Bowl in Tampa. Tampa is actually the place where the research is being done in the oh. world. We went back and planted an area that was the size of an entire NFL football field. Mm. Now, if you fast forward a couple of years later, that entire area has come back to life. It's thriving. It's a thriving marine ecosystem with all kinds of uh, flora and fauna underwater there, and it's spreading. Mm. The, the 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 original football-sized reef now is starting to spread out and branch out into other areas right. and and bring life back to that area. So that was our first really significant marine conservation uh, project. And and
0: a hundred yards of hope.
1: Hundred yards right? of hope.
0: Yeah, great, great connection, obviously, to the size of a
1: football field. Yeah, and and now it's a documentary, uh, a movie. Uh, thanks to uh, national oceanographic and atmospheric they gave force blue a grant to produce uh, a a 48-minute documentary which is a stunning film it's about restoring a reef but it's also about restoring the lives of these military vets who've lost their sense of mission lost their sense of purpose in their life and now they've come back with this retraining and now they're working on marine conservation and they feel like
0: they matter again so I guess part of the nfl's approach is you have all these franchises they have stadiums they're in okay. cities they're focused on kind of local initiatives local sustainability and so forth <laughs> but then there's this idea that the, when the nfl goes around for the super bowl for the draft for other big events you try to do something in those communities environment related is that that's kind of an overarching frame? Yeah. The four big
1: events we have each year, Super Bowl, Pro Bowl, the draft, and the uh, kickoff. Oh, we also have the Combine too. We don't have a program for Combine right now, but we have a program for the other four big events. And like you said, they're in different cities all the time every year. So we get a chance to work uh, in different areas of the country every year. And in each area that we go into, there's different environmental issues. There's different sustainability issues. So a big part of Our job and our mission is to get in there early and often, at least a year in advance of one of these big events and start meeting with folks locally, find out, get educated about what the environmental issues are in that community so that we then can come back with some ideas that we can share about Well, we might have resources. We could do this. We could do this project. You know, uh, some of the standard things obviously are urban forestry because we run into so many uh, neighborhoods, particularly low-income neighborhoods and neighborhoods of color where there is no tree canopy. Mm -hmm. And of course, no tree canopy means heat island effect. It means more pollution. It means uh, less green space for kids to play in. Mm -hmm. So there's an awful lot of- of Less capture of water runoff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, more potential flooding from the from sure. Yeah. So so we, we look at these and then there's other neighborhoods that are food deserts, low income neighborhoods of food. So we work with them oftentimes to build community gardens so folks can grow their own produce, feed themselves and become more self-sufficient than they, they normally would be. So they don't have to do their grocery shopping at a gas store convenience store, oh. you, you know, which is which is what. What, what happens. And there are other things like restoring pollinator habit, habitat, restoring native plant habitat, removing invasive species. So it varies so much from city to city and
0: community to community. What is it that's a real hot, hot button issue for that community? Sure. So Super Bowl Miami, Super Bowl Tampa. Uh, where did you go from there and, and what other water projects happened? Especially oh, Especially yeah. with your Force blue folks. Yeah. From there, we went to the West
1: Coast and, and we started looking around again. We had Super Bowl in Los Angeles. Uh, and kelp forest recovery was, was, was a big issue. Like, a lot of folks talked to us about it and how important it was. And, and, and again, you know, not to get too scientific-y. Uh, you're uh, talking about, to the right and, audience for it. Don't uh, worry. <laughs> there, uh, when, when the, uh, seal population was devastated by hunting out there, what it did was one of their favorite foods are, uh, uh purple sea urchins. Well, the purple sea urchins then the population exploded. And so they moved into the areas where the kelp forests are and they started munching everything because their their predator, the seals, had been hunted oh. down too low, not to extinction, but pretty close. And so now these things were able to multiply uh, with no restriction and they started to eat everything. So they destroy kelp and they destroy a lot of other areas. Kelp forests can't come back. The red sea urchins, by the way, those are the good guys. Uh, so it's like white hats and black hats. <laughs> the the, the re- red sea urchins wear the little white hats. They're the ones that if you go in a sushi bar and they and you you, you they feed you sea urchin, it's the red ones. Purple ones apparently don't taste as good. Good to know. So Forest Blue uh, went down and removed thousands and thousands of these purple sea urchins from an area of kelp forest. And by simply by removing them, even though it's temporary, by removing them temporarily, it gave the uh, kelp forest a chance to sprout and regrow and and become strong enough so it, it so it wouldn't be devastated uh, as the population of purple sea urchins in, in, increased so it, it basically gave them a new lease on life so that was again that was a, a, a an incredible project because it's not just the kelp It's everything that depends on the kelp, the entire Mm -hmm. ocean ecosystem that depends on on these plants. Just like with the coral reefs. Sure. The coral reefs, they they like to say that that's the the nursery of the ocean Mm. because so much depends on the, the coral reef environment in order for other things in the ocean to grow.
0: Yeah, the biodiversity in coral reefs is just off the charts. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so the Super Bowl keeps moving around. Then I think you went to Phoenix, right? We, Scottsdale, yeah, area. Then, then we go to Arizona. you got a unique battle for the Force Blue guys here. Yeah, we called we call
1: the Force Blue guys we said, listen, big beach, huge beach, no ocean, <laughs> you know? So I don't know that we can work with you guys this year. But they actually came in and did some of their own research and we did too and, and started talking to folks, particularly the the aquarium folks in phoenix who despite in addition to running the aquarium have 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 their their tentacles excuse the pun (laughs) into so many other areas of the community in terms of uh uh, water issues so we worked with them and found out that the lower salt river which is one of the main recreation areas for the phoenix area but it also is the main source of water for the phoenix area well the, the, the the place was in kind of a mess uh people had been taking their little aquarium snails that they got at the, at the pet store and, um, you know, doing the nice thing, you know, saying, well, they got too big for my aquarium, so I'm going to set them free in the world. Well, they're an invasive species. So they've multiplied like crazy in the Lower Salt yeah. River. And they're called apple snails because it's a snail, but it's about the size of an apple. Okay. Uh, uh, and uh, they have no predator in, in, in our country because they can't, they're originally imported from Asia. So the same problem that we had with the sea urchins is they gobble up everything. They eat the the eggs of other native fish and, and uh, snails. Mm. Uh, they, they eat the plant life. So they've kind of they, they pretty much destroyed the ecosystem, the lower salt river. The other piece of it was all the folks who go tubing down the salt river all the time, who then, you know, have their cooler attached to their tube, uh, finish a couple of beers, throw the throw the cans in the water mm. and, and the, the river becomes uh, polluted with with trash. So um, Force Blue came in with their dive team and removed hundreds of these apple snails, which doesn't sound significant until you add in the fact that they also removed hundreds of thousands of their eggs uh, all along the shores. The divers did that, plus we brought in community volunteers who would go up and down the shores and remove those. That reduced the the next year's population by hundreds of thousands of these invasive species. And it's the largest community project that uh, NFL has ever worked on because we've had 400 community volunteers join us, plus partners like the the U.S. Forest Service and National Park Service and the local Maricopa County Sheriff's Office and all these other local environmental organizations, as well as the Arizona Cardinals football team Mm. jumped in and and was Mm. was incredibly supportive and engaged with us around this. So we had 400 local folks who did a lot of the cleanups along the um, uh, the river. And then when we got done, it made a significant impact on that ecosystem, something we never thought we'd see in Arizona. But here's here's the legacy piece that we like. We got a call several months later from one of the uh, environmental organizations. And they said, Hey, we just want you to know that of those 400 volunteers that came down here, they said at least half of them, maybe more, had never worked on any type of environmental or community project before. This is the first time they volunteered and they volunteered because it was cool. It was Super Bowl, NFL, NFL. right? Hey, we want to be part of this. They said, But we just did a recent project and we surveyed the volunteers. And more than 100 of the volunteers who showed up with us were, were among that cadre of people who had never volunteered before until Super Bowl came along. And he, and, and our contact there said, now they're sort of part of this mm-hmm. ecosystem because now that they've done it once and really enjoyed it and had a ball, now they want to do it
0: m- multiple times. Well, that's a great ripple effect right there, a great impact. No. I think there was something else we talked about before involved with one of your other events where there was a water project, oh, The Super the, Bowl. Bull- the draft? Yeah, the draft yeah. in
1: Arizona. We, we, we had, and we've been doing this for a little while, but the draft in, in uh, I'm sorry, the draft in Nevada, in Las Vegas, this made a huge difference for us. We, um, we brought in a, a company that does water refills. And, um, now it, it, it was, it was actually less from our perspective about conserving water itself as it was about eliminating plastic. But by having water refill stations, all through the outdoor event, uh, what what happened was, they refilled enough water, they kept count, they refilled enough water from those stations over the course of three days to eliminate potentially eliminate 53,000 single use plastic uh, bottles just at that one event. So we're converts to, to that concept now. So when we had Super Bowl several months later in Arizona, the same thing applied brought in the same company they're a company out of canada that does this at big events everywhere they came in and did the same thing brought in all the water refill stations we we, we, we didn't get a count on arizona unfortunately but we did get a really good accurate count on the uh, project in nevada so it you know it makes it makes such a difference and it's a simple thing to
0: do so simple and, and, it, and it has expensive. it has many impacts beyond just that that Bottle that's saved that keeps plastic out of the environment. It keeps microplastics out of waterways. Exactly. It reduces all of the shipping impacts of, of shipping bottled water all around. So there's there's many other aspects to that. Uh, as water becomes more and more important in the U.S., you know you've got what's happening out west. Lots of other issues. Obviously, it looks like this is a direction that NFL environmental programs is going to keep leaning into. Well, as, as long as water is an issue. We're going to
1: try when we're in a community to find some way to work with that and, and, and to address that it, as as part of the broader you know mission of yeah. lightening the footprint of the event. So, for example, now that we're going back to uh, Nevada, of course, we will use the water refill stations again, primarily to reduce plastic. But I think you made a good point that where's that plastic going to end up? That plastic eventually is going to pollute the ocean. Yeah. So so it, 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 it certainly is a water issue, even if it doesn't appear that on the front end, on the back end, it, it, it is a water quality issue. But um, the other thing is the severe drought that's all through the southwest now. Oh. Um, we're sensitive to that, and we've met with with all the key players there, the South Southern Nevada Water Authority, and and other organizations that are working intensely on these water issues. Lake Mead is the the only source of water for Las Vegas and for the entire valley. Las Vegas has a great system. Um, the, the water that's consumed in in Las Vegas and in, and in that that urban area, all that water goes gets pumped out through an area called the, the uh, Clark County wetlands. Uh, it's a man-made wetlands. That wetlands, like all wetlands, tends to clean water up a little bit as it flows through. From there, it flows to Lake Mead. From Lake Mead, it flows back into Las Vegas. So they've got a circular system mm. to preserve water and to conserve water there. But here's the the, the issue, even still with the drought. Lake Mead has dropped lower and lower and lower. Mm -hmm. And and the the, all the communities that depend on the Colorado in the states that depend on Colorado River are having real issues with the the lower flow of water that's coming through the Colorado River. And and so many folks are dependent for their livelihoods and their life on on that single water source. So we proposed to the uh, water authority that we do a campaign a a water conservation campaign where you you know where we can put hang tags on the hotels when people come in for when the tens of thousands of people come in for super bowl we can put messages on the hotel televisions we can put messaging on the website for the host committee so when people go there to get information about the events and the schedules and transportation they're also going to see messages that say here's some steps you can take to conserve water um, and, and here's why. Oh. And as the water authority told us in our original meeting, they said, if everybody came here, didn't take a shower, didn't drink water, didn't flush it, it wouldn't make any difference on the ground. So maybe it's not a good idea. But we our rejoinder to that was, mm-hmm. yes, but all these tens, hundreds of thousands of people that are going to come in here are going to see the messaging. And and many of them will follow the conservation procedures, uh, regardless of whether it has a a practical impact. Uh, But the messaging will be there. So when they go back to everywhere else, when they go back to Michigan and they go back to Pennsylvania, they go back to to New Hampshire and they they go back all over the country, they're going to know probably for the first time in their lives that there is a water crisis in the southwestern United States, which most of us don't see. We turn on the tap, we get a drink, we turn off the tap. We don't think about the, the drought conditions and how serious it is. You know, not until we go to the grocery store and we're paying $20 a head for a head of lettuce because the the, the farms have been devastated. Sure. You know, we don't want that day to, to come. But so I'm back in, in uh, Massachusetts, let's say, and my member of Congress is asked to vote on water conservation or drought uh, uh, relief measures and says, ah, this isn't that important. But I can call my member of Congress and say, wait a minute, I was out in Nevada two years ago. I know how important this is. I want you to vote in this direction. And that was the winning argument with the Water Authority because they said we hadn't looked at it. We only looked at it as a practical matter. We hadn't thought about what the awareness campaign might do on a longer term. And so I would say, you know, without fear of contradiction, Mm -hmm. that they're all in on this concept now of let's get the message out to all these folks and let them spread it out across the country. So again, it's it may not make a difference on the Monday after Super Bowl, but it could make a big difference 3 years after Super Bowl
0: when when we're still trying to deal with this issue. Public awareness is a powerful tool yes. and then it, you yeah. convert that awareness into action and advocacy and that's that has a great effect all around the country. From... Well, if, if public awareness wasn't important, you wouldn't be you wouldn't you wouldn't be doing this. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. You're you're absolutely right. Thank you. <laughs> My last question is a lot of people are fans of the NFL, like I, like I am, like I said at the beginning, uh, a lot of people listening to this. Is there anything that they can do to really support uh, the NFL as it, you know, does these environmental programs and works on water sustainability? Is there anything people out there can do to, to help on this? Well, I, 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 I would take a different
1: tack on that and okay. say it, it's not so much about helping the NFL. I, I, I think that the, the strategies that folks can use in their own communities, in their own homes, are really to support the planet and, and, and humanity, mm-hmm. as opposed to the NFL personally, um, because all the things that we've talked about, you know, whether it's water conservation, whether it's uh, uh, recycling, whether it's composting, uh, whether it's uh, renewable energy, uh, w- whether it's um, uh, protecting biodiversity, uh, developing uh, you know habitat, whether it's looking at ways to source food that can be, be helpful. All these things are things that can be done anywhere, Mm -hmm. regardless of what any of our sports organizations are doing. So we may create some awareness, but the the issue really is what are you going to do in your own community and in your own town? I, I mean, just like, you know, my wife, Susan and I, we try to do a lot of projects in our Hometown as well too. We've done school gardens where we where the school kids come out and plant the gardens with us and become aware of it. We used to have a, a, a lot of problems with with uh, school gardens getting getting vandalized. But when you bring out like like two hundred kids and each kid owns one of those plants, mm. you know, and now you have now you have a surveillance force that's going to guard that that school garden because they don't want they may not want to defend the entire planet, but they sure as heck want to defend that plant which they put in and which they named Oscar or okay. Penelope or, or, or something. Well, like
0: you said, with the volunteers in Arizona on the river, right? You converted them into stewards at that point uh, from their work. So that's exactly yeah. what
1: the project did to them. It made them. More, well, we do engage with fans while we're at our events. So, for example, um, Uh, at one of the recent Super Bowls, uh, we had a fan engagement project. We made a specially designed Super Bowl hat. It looked Hmm. a lot like the other Super Bowl hats, except it came in a color that you can't buy in the store. It came in like a canvas with a blue stripe color. It was pretty cool. Uh, It also had our NFL green logo on the back of the hat. And we would go around, we we ordered hundreds of these, and and, uh, my team would go around to fans at the various Super Bowl events also on game day, we would do it too. Mm-hmm. And we'd go up to folks and we'd engage with them and we'd say, hey, how would you like to w- win a hat? You know, Well, now who doesn't want-
0: Everyone it? wants a free hat. Who,
1: who doesn't want yeah. it? Especially a Super Bowl hat. You know, People steal Super Bowl trash cans. Of course they if it's got a logo on it. So a hat, come on, I can wear the hat at home. We wanna turn it into a story. So we would say to folks, we would say, um, for example, we, we would say, okay, um, I'm gonna ask you an environmental question. And if you get it right, you win this hat. And uh, oftentimes I'll say, if you get it wrong, you win this hat, no pressure. (laughs) You're, You're gonna win the hat one way or the other. And then we would ask folks, name one thing that a person could do in their own life that would be good for our environment. Uh-huh. And and it's interesting, um, if you're above a certain age, which I won't give the number, but if you're above a certain age, most folks will say uh, recycling. If you're below a certain age, if you're below about 15, the answers are all over the place. Drive electric cars, uh, create less trash, uh, use, use uh, rec- compost your material. Kids understand that there there's a broad number of issues for this, so now we've taken something as, as as maybe not glamorous Mm. as as the environment. Maybe it's not glamorous to a lot of not as glamorous as a Super Bowl. But for this guy now, it's turned into a personal story, an exciting story that he can share with his buddies and kind of brag about when he gets home. So so that's the kind of elevation we want to do around fan engagement. It's one thing to message your fans, to preach to them, to tell them, well, you should do this and you should do that. But we've just never felt that that was effective with folks. It's in here sure. and out the other. But if you can somehow change this so mm. that it becomes something active, first of all, they were actively involved. They had to do something to, 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 get, yeah. to get the hat. They, they didn't just get handed the hat, you know, and then make it a story, make it something fun. So instead of saying, oh yeah, these guys were bothering me about you know telling me I should recycle and stuff, all of a sudden it's like, this made their experience at Super Bowl even better. Yeah, so that's that's
0: one of the ways we try and engage fans. Sure. Yeah. Well, Jack I'm glad that I met you here at the Green Sports Alliance. I, likewise. Yeah, I'm uh, Glad we encountered each other and right? now that I've learned about What's happening around water, you know with each Super Bowl, especially I'll be looking forward to following along uh, In addition to seeing the game in the future. I'll be I'll be seeing what's happening with water but, I know you'll be sitting there
1: going bottoms up. Well, you're, <laughs> you're, 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 uh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah Thank you very much. All right. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode. And thank you to the sponsor, Open Water. To find all episodes, sign up for email updates, and connect on social media, visit Waterloop.org. You're in the the Waterloop.